calling all detectives. Some crimes appear to have no motive. Others have too much motive. But I once had a case in which both conditions existed. That is the situation on this page from my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. For a private detective like me, Jerry Browning, there are two kinds of crime that are really tough. Those with no motive and those with too much motive. I was driving home through deserted streets when I heard the gunshot. Automatically, I glanced at the dashboard clock. The hands lacked one minute of midnight as I slammed on the brakes. The woman was lying on the pavement almost directly before the now dark entrance of the old Victoria Hotel. I bent over her, saw that she'd been shot through the upper right arm. I made a tourniquet of a handkerchief and my fountain pen. By then, the woman recovered consciousness. She was about middle-aged, thin, angular-faced, and with wispy gray hair. Don't try to move. There's been an accident. You're hurt, but not badly. I'll call an ambulance. Dashed into the hotel, shook a sleepy elevator operator into wakefulness. There's a woman out on the sidewalk. Shot. Call an ambulance and the police. The woman was lying where I'd left her. There wasn't much chance that her assailant would still be in the vicinity. Still, it doesn't hurt to look around. I didn't find anybody, but I did find something. A revolver in the gutter. And a couple of minutes later, what had been a deserted street was now teeming with cops. A big cop dashed over to me. Shame on you for shooting a poor defenseless lady. Will you hand over that gun or must I bang you over the head of you? When I stopped to help a woman who had been shot and even found the gun, a cop tried to arrest me. Well, that's happened before, so... I'm Jerry Browning, a private detective. You mean private detectives can go around shooting people? Captain Doherty came over about then. How'd you happen to get the gun, Jerry? I explained that I'd found it in the gutter, surrendered the weapon. Who is she, Captain? Miss Jessica Brandt, <coughs> assistant cashier at the Merchant National Bank. Lives only a few blocks from here. Said she couldn't sleep and was taking a walk. Did she say who shot her? Doherty shrugged. She mentioned six people who want to kill her, including the president of the bank. I think she's got hallucinations. I pointed to the gun Doherty was holding. Maybe so. But that's the most solid hallucination I ever saw. The next morning, I had to go to police headquarters, sign a statement about how I'd found Miss Bryant and the gun. When I'd finished, Doherty remarked, We've checked ownership of the gun, Jerry. It's registered to Stephen Perry at the Victoria Hotel. I sent a couple of men out to bring him in. Hang around a while, will you? Stephen Perry was a stout, elderly, and frightened man. Yes, that's uh, uh, that's my gun. I, I, I'm a railroad man. Come home late at night, so a few years ago I got a permit to carry a gun. Did you also get a permit to shoot it at citizens? No, sir. I didn't shoot it at anybody. In, in fact, my wife doesn't want me to carry it at all. Last night she got so excited about it, I just chucked it out the window. Well, that sounded interesting. And what time did you throw it out? At 11 o'clock, just about 11. Doherty looked as though he believed the earnest little man. Which means somebody found it and had an hour to find a use for it. Then can I go home? Certainly not. Lock him up. After Perry had been led away, Doherty sat down, scratched his head. I sure don't know what to make of this deal. 
Perry don't know Miss Brandt. And over at the hospital, the dame keeps yelling that there's a conspiracy to kill her. She suspects everybody, except Perry. Let's go down to a bank, see what people there have to say. The president of the Merchants National Bank had plenty to say. Miss Brandt is efficient and unpleasant in equal parts. She's quarreled with all her fellow employees, and if I hadn't inherited her from my predecessor, I'd... I'd... He shrugged helplessly. You'd like to kill her? The bank president gave me an icy look. I do not consider that remark funny. Good day, gentlemen. The names on Miss Brandt's list of people who'd cheer at her funeral included besides the bank president, the head teller, Miss Brandt's brother the superintendent of the building in which she lived, the driver of the bus she took to work every morning, and a neighbor lady across the street. The man I left on guard at the hospital says she gave him a whole flock of other names, but these ought to do for a start. Just a nice, friendly lady, huh? Well, good hunting. Oh, no, you don't, Browning. If you started this, you'll see it through. It took the best part of a day's chasing around to interview all the people on the list. They all had fine alibis. They were at home, sleeping at midnight. Also, they all agreed that Miss Brandt was suspicious, truculent, nosy, opinionated, and caustic. Their favorite candidate for the person least likely to be missed. But all of them denied shooting her. Along about five o'clock, Doherty wiped his brow. You know what, Jerry? I think that dame is so mean, she probably up and shot herself. That's the one thing I don't believe, Doherty. Isn't in her character. Anyway, the gun was lost a full hour before she came along. I stared at the perspiring captain. Doherty, I've got an idea. Let's go talk to that guy you locked up, the one whose gun it is. Mr. Perry, you said you were a railroad man, didn't you? Yes, sir. I, I'm a dispatcher at Central Station. You've got a watch in your pocket. Tell me what time it is now. Perry dragged out an old stem winder. Twenty minutes to five. I looked at my own watch. It said twenty minutes to six. You have railroad time, Mr. Perry, but the city is operating on daylight time right now. So when you threw the gun out of the window last night, it must have been not eleven o'clock, but midnight. Well, I'll be... Jerry, that gun must have hit the sidewalk, gone off as the Brant dame was passing by, and hit her accidentally. I nodded. That's exactly what happened. Can I go home now? Certainly not. Lock him up. I'll teach you to go around shooting people and wasting my time. <laughs> well, Ed, that's just about all there was to it. A mystery solved when I realized how stubbornly railroad men refused to admit the existence of daylight saving time. Perry paid a fine for mishandling a dangerous weapon. And as for Miss Brandt, I understand she came out of the hospital a changed woman. Acted practically human from that time on. Maybe she figured that the next time a gun went off in her direction, she might not be as lucky as the first time. Like I said, crimes without motive, or with too much motive, are bad enough. But when you get both on the same case, then it's time to ask somebody the time. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives, mystery drama, mystery quiz, and a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective. 